Right. If that isn't a call to action, I don't know what is. Thunderbirds are go. Hello and welcome to the first and hopefully a series of Standby for Action. I'm Scott. And I'm Toby. And today we're going to be reviewing a classic Jerry Anderson episode. Our intention is to review an episode every two to three weeks. Um, the exciting thing we think about this podcast is not only am I going to be reviewing it, coming from a 31 year old but we're also going to be have Toby reviewing it from a 10 year old's eyes so I guess now we're supposed to talk about the first time we were introduced to Anderson um, I would say I was about five years old and amazingly enough I didn't watch the first episodes on TV I was bought a VHS copy for Christmas which was I believe Revenge of the Mistrons from Mars uh, which was the super space theatre um, complexion of Captain Scarlet episodes. Can you remember what your first episode was, Toby? Um, no. I think it might have been a Thunderbirds episode because yeah. when I first showed you a Thunderbirds episode, then that's when it really hit off. And I remember that Christmas ordering all the toys and stuff you just like my parents did for me. Yes, so we've had a close look at the episode selections, and although we are going to pick only completely at random. I thought I'd let Toby pick the first episode, as it's our first episode. Um, so we've gone for Path of Destruction from Thunderbirds. So let's get straight into it. So Thunderbirds, Path of Destruction. Its original UK TV broadcast was at 5 past 5pm on Sunday the 9th of October 1966 pretty old Tobes, over 50 odd years old and still watchable. So Tobes, I've got to ask, why this episode? I thought I would choose this episode because it's not the actual first episode, it's an interesting episode with lots of action in and a lot of planning, so I thought I'd choose it because it's not too exciting but it's an exciting storyline as well. Well, it's good that you've chosen not the obvious first episode that everyone would normally choose. Any reason you chose classic Thunderbirds first, other than Scarlet or Stingray or Joe 90? Well, there's no exact reason, it just came to my mind first. Obviously an episode that sticks in your mind. Yeah. We'll get into that. So let's give a brief episode summary before we start. A crew of a huge deforesting machine is food poisoned leaving the unstoppable vehicle Crablogger on a collision course with a newly built dam. International Rescue's further efforts are complicated by the machine's atomic reactor. So we're watching this in glorious HD on the American Blu-ray release, but amazingly the first time I ever seen any glimpse of this episode was on the early 90s VHS tapes in the Polygram TV adverts. Thunderbirds are go! International Rescue is an organization set up to save the world against the scheming villains of mass destruction. 
Lacey Brothers, Brains, Parker, and Lady Penelope star in 16 earth-trembling double-feature Thunderbirds videos. International Rescue is F.A.B. Thunderbirds, Stingray, Captain Scarlet, and Joe 90. Superb videos on sale now at all good video stores. So we begin the episode with the classic Thunderbirds 54321 countdown, followed by the 30 seconds intro. What do you think about that, Toby? Do you think they should have left that in, or do you think they should take that out because it spoils the episode? I think they should leave it in so you get a glimpse of what the episode is going to be like for what you're watching. Yeah, I mean, as it's a 50-minute episode, it doesn't matter if you're going to include a 30-second. It doesn't really give a lot of the episodes away. And, of course, after each intro of Thunderbirds, you've got the classic theme that's about a minute ten long. So, Tobes, I'm going to ask you, is Thunderbirds your best theme out of all the Anderson series? Well, I prefer Captain Scarlet more, but I love the theme of Thunderbirds more than any of the shows. So you prefer the music they used in Scarlet more than they did in Thunderbirds? Yeah, kind of. What And what particular music do you like in Scarlet? Is it the end titles with the singing, or is it just the, the eeriness and the darkness of the... I love the darkness and the eeriness, and I also love the beginning titles. So what's your favourite tune? My favourite piece of music has got to be Joe 90. Why Joe 90? Uh, I like how it's got electronic music used for it, although Scarlet does have a lot of that too. Um, I like Thunderbirds because of how happy it is and stuff, but it also at the same time it's dramatic. But with Joe 90, I believe Barry used a lot of synthesizers, uh, which were just coming into play around that time, uh, to really give it that jazzy feel. <laughs> But back to the episode though, opening scene, uh, we've got the crab logger base and what are they discussing Toby? They're discussing about the journey tomorrow of the crab logger successfully making the, what's it called? The wood pulp. The wood pulp. Which the machine can process. So enter crab logger. He's late you know. Look Sims, cut out the time checks, William McCall knows what he's doing. Jansen. I don't think you realize the importance of this whole operation. Yes, I do. I'm just as keen to get started as you are. Franklin, how are things you're in? I'm all fixed up. Yes, this must be the biggest thing anybody has programmed to tape for. Where are they now? Good. He's almost here. Yeah, better say hello to the guy. Base control to Crab Logger 1. Base control to Crab Logger 1. Loud and clear, Jensen. Welcome to base. Thank you, Jensen. Better get the reception committee to stand by. Yeah. Look, here he comes now. So the crab log is described as Crab Logger 1, a mobile timber processing plant equipped with giant claws and saws, plus machinery for barreling wood pulp ready for offloading. So judging from the opening shark tobes, what would you say about the size of it? I'd say the crab logger is probably bigger than the fire flash and it's probably about three times the size of Thunderbird 2 but I've always wondered is the back bit just storage and the front bit just an engine and the grabbers and source 
So the back part is actually a processing machine, uh, which is also described as a cutting bay. Trees are removed from either pulping or incineration. Larger branches and tree trunks are cut into planks. Afterwards, the planks are transported into the sorting bay. Better not get too close to base control. They uh, might get a bit worried. Yes. I suppose they've never seen a machine quite like this. So as we've got the facts out in front of us now, what else can you tell us, Tobes? Well, the crab logger is 342 feet in length. In length. The maximum speed's 40 miles per hour. Which is not the, very fast. And the weight's 435 tonnes, so that's probably heavy, heavier than two planes. Also, looking at this, Tobes, it looks like you're right about it being longer than the fire flash, but the fire flash incredibly weighs more. The fire flash weighs 1,806 tons. Wow. I would have put that to the crab logger straight away for weight. I would have thought that's heavier. So the next scene, the crew are in a restaurant in South America discussing the plan for the next day, um, from which they order the special off Sancho's menu, which looks kind of like a beef mince steak. Disgusting. Uh, that's smoky and cooked from a kitchen that's obviously got loads of rats in it, as it shows. Um, food poisoning storyline, very real, Tobes. You never see anything like this nowadays. I mean, when was the last time you watched Peppa Pig where she got poisoned or something like that? Uh, when she went to the farm. No. She went to the farm? She went to the farm. I would thought she came from a farm, but never mind. Ah, Sancho. Uh, good evening, Mr. Janssen. I see you have brought some new clients to my eating house. Uh, yeah, Sanchez. Welcome, senores. What can I offer you? Well, uh, can we see the menu? Alas, senor, we have no menu. But for you, I can prepare something very special. And believe me, fellas, Sanchez cooks his beef in a very special way. Yeah, thank you, senor. Yes, very special. All right. A special for me, hot and strong and plenty of it. Yes, okay. I'll try the special too. And to me. Very good. That is three specials and one steak, huh? That's right. Now hurry it up, will you, Sanchez? Yes, si, senor. Say, Jansen, how special is the cooking in this place? Oh, forget it, Franklin. On our first trip to South America, let's try anything once. So at this point at the episode, Toby, when you seen that food get delivered to the crew members, did you think where this story was going? I thought when I saw it for the first time, I thought they were going to eat it and faint on the table, <laughs> and then the crab logger mission would be over. So it's in fact the next day when the operation starts that the crew become violently ill and they actually end up fainting at the controls. So the crab logger is now out of control. So the music in this scene though, um, I don't expect you to know this, but Originally, do you know where that music, which episode that music was meant for? Um, no, I don't actually. So I think this was one of Barry Gray's first sort of scores for the series, other than the Fire Flash theme. And it was originally recorded for the Sidewinder in Pit of Peril. So to make matters worse, the Crab Logger also by now has veered off course and is heading straight for the San Martino Dam, 
and the vehicle also has to be constantly relieved of the supplies of wood pulp as if the machine was to jam the resulting explosion would lay waste to everything within a 50 mile radius. The base commander Jensen calls international rescue and Scott and Virgil set off in Thunderbirds 1 and 2. Jeff also has the idea to use Lady Penelope and Parker to find Jim Lucas, the designer of the crab logger, so they can enter the correct shutdown procedure to stop the crab logger. Got any ideas about how we should cope with this? Well, uh, Jim Lucas is our man. He built the crab logger for Robotics International in England, and he could answer all Scott's danger zone queries. But if we wait till International Rescue gets there, it might be too late for him to be able to help us. And it would mean revealing our identity if we contacted him direct. That's right, Virgil. Well, never mind. I've got a better idea. Hobes, I don't know if you noticed, but in this scene where Jeff calls Penny, I've never ever heard in any other episode Parker say, Milady, so many times. So I thought we should have a little recount. Thank you, Parker. It makes it so much cosier. Oh, yes, Belady. I quite agree. Much cosier. Sherry, Belady. Just a half a glass, please, Parker. Then we'll start serving, shall we? Very good, Belady. Thank you, Parker. We will serve now, then. Very well, Belady. Oh, Parker. Uh, yes, Belady? It may have to be sandwiches instead. Oh, very good, Belady. That's our count six times in 45 seconds. <laughs> what a lot of my ladies are there. <laughs> good old Parker. He doesn't have much to say in episodes unless they're based around himself, really. But he's still a good character and a favourite. He brings a humour to the show. Right, Tobes, do you want to give us the next scene? Oh, yes, please. So, in the next scene, you see the crab logger crash straight through a village, destroying everything in sight. I notice that the village is quite old and out of date, even though the series is in like 2065. Yeah, I kind of noticed that as well. One thing I noticed about it is that the attention to detail in this shot, especially if you're watching in HD, some of these old houses and sets that, were, that the crab logger would have crashed through could have been reused houses that are used in as long ago as Four Feather Falls or even some of the older models in uh, Stingray. But the attention to detail they use in some, even though they know they're gonna be destroyed, is just proper Derek Meddins. I even noticed an old wagon there. Yeah, I like that scene as well. There's, there's one scene where, where the wagon's just sat there and the crab logger just slightly brisks it, but he just falls to bits. International rescue to crab logger base. How long now before it reaches the dam? You've got about 34 minutes, international rescue. Okay, base control. You'll be hearing from us. Right. Now hold tight. Thunderbirds 1 and 2 then arrive on scene and we see the first use of the mobile crane machine dispatched from Pod 3. They proceed to catch up with the crab logger to gain access to the control room. But behind the scenes, Lady Penelope and Parker have found Jim Lucas and have forced him to reveal the code as Brains and Virgil gain entry to the crab logger. This then sets up the final scene with the crab logger teetering on the edge of the cliff of the edge of the dam site. In my opinion, the best scene of this episode by far. The suspense is building. Now listen, we've got to get those super on tanks emptied. If the crab logger falls into that basin, even supposing the machine is stopped, 
The tanks will go up and bust the walls of the dam. I'm coming in now to offload the tanks. You haven't a hope. There's no time. We're not just going to sit back and do nothing. The crab logger finally comes to a halt on a ledge, but the ledge is crumbling beneath them. And at the last minute, the tanks are finally drained by Scott and Virgin and Brains leap clear with their hover packs as the crab logger falls off the cliff. The dam is saved. I suppose it's an episode we'd all hope for a large explosion in the last scene, but it would have made no sense, considering that was the point to drain the tanks. Quite a bang. Yeah, but there could have been a much bigger one. So to finish the episode, Jim Lucas wakes up the next morning and picks up a newspaper to read, International Rescue Saves a Thousand Lives. New crab logger destroyed in rescue drama. So Toby, to wrap everything up, and considering you picked the episode, what's your final thoughts? Or even if you was to give it a rating, what would you rate it, say, out of 10? I'd give it a nine out of 10. Wow, that's a better review than what I thought. So this episode is really up there with the greats, such as like Terry in New York City and Trapped in the Sky. It's one of my favourite Thunderbirds episodes and enjoyed re-watching it properly and spotting all the faults. I'd, I'd give it a 7 out of 10, um, just purely because there could have been a bit more in the middle of the episode. But what it lacks of in storyline, it makes up with the guest vehicle because the Crab Locker is one of my top five Anderson vehicles. So for episode two, as it's my choice, Toby, I was thinking something along the lines of Captain Scarlet. Um, is there anything you wouldn't want to particularly watch? Oh, definitely not Joe 90. So you say no Joe, is that purely because you've not seen many Joe 90 or...? Yeah, because I've not seen so many Joe 90 episodes. But I suppose that's the best thing about this podcast, Toby, is the fact that we watch these random episodes in any order, but we, we can come across episodes that we've perhaps only seen once or twice, or in your case, never. So it gives you a chance to see them for the first time, and then we can rate and review them as we go along. But you, if you had another choice, what would you hope for? I'd hope for a maybe Manhunt from Captain Scarlet Good or Peter, Peter Powell and from Thunderbirds. Two very good episodes. Well, we'll have to wait and see, of course. Um, hopefully, we'll be reviewing another episode within the next two or three weeks. And if you've enjoyed us, um, please rate and review us. Um, don't forget to subscribe as well. Just hit that subscribe button. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Standby for Action. So this is Scott saying bye. And Toby saying bye. See you next time. S-I-G. F-A-B. The tables are turned. The manhunt for Captain Black is on. What a bang. Can we do that again? Thunderbird 1 from Thunderbird 2. Taking off now. See you back home. F baby, Virgil. All good things have to come to an end.